Hello and welcome to the iChiefs podcast series brought to you by the International Association of Fire Chiefs. This is where new ideas are born, leadership skills are discussed, and engaging topics are brought to the table. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief of the City of Rogers, Arkansas, and a past IAFC president. And I'm Joe Powers, the Managing Director of IAFC's consulting firm, Emergency Services Consulting International. We're glad you're here. This podcast is designed for you and for the fire and emergency services community. Before we dig into this week's important topic, make sure to check out our library of episodes at iefc.org slash podcast and listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you think the content is great, go ahead and share it with your crew. Welcome to another exciting podcast for the iChiefs podcast series. And uh, today we have somebody who's a very familiar face to um, members of the International Association of Fire Chiefs because he's he's got his fingers and everything. And uh, he's always somebody that at least personally I know I can call on when I have questions that are uh, of a more complex and intricate nature than what I can normally answer. So we have with us uh, Fire Chief Mike O'Brien. Mike is with the Brighton Area Fire Authority up there in Michigan. I, I you are still employed there, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, because you would, you may not know it, but Mike is the international director for the Fire and Life Safety Section. So he serves both contributing to that section of our association. He's also uh, part of uh, what I refer to as the big board, the actual IAFC board of directors, the chair of the IAFC Battery Committee, and uh, is deeply involved in what's going on. Uh, around about around batteries, around lithium ion batteries, and the fact that they catch fire, Mike. Like, what what are we talking about today? What's the big deal? Yeah, you know, everybody says, um, "Hey, batteries really aren't in my jurisdiction. Um, it's just not coming." And I have been from Alabama to Montana, down to Illinois, Florida, talking batteries with fire chiefs and fire service leaders. And once you start looking. This thing is happening in every single one of our communities, right? It's easy to say, hey, look, we got mobility device issues happening in some of our major metros, such as New York and Toronto. Toronto last weekend had 25 battery incidents. And so you start to, when you start to dive into this issue, one big aspect is mobility, personal electronics that we're seeing. But it's happening everywhere, but and it's manifesting in different ways, right? New York City might have some e-bikes because that's popular up there, but for us locally, it could be a drop power tool that has a bad battery pack that starts a house fire or is involved in a house fire. Um, there's no doubt we're seeing EV fires, and it's not just a one manufacturer thing. Um, just last week, uh, or about two weeks ago now, uh, Brighton Fire Crews responded to their third electric vehicle fire, and this was a plug-in hybrid, right? A new technology that's expanding. So, and this was not just one manufacturer. This is our, for our case, it was all different manufacturers. Um, you know, we're seeing fires in the recycling space down in Birmingham, Alabama. I think it was very much highlighted where transport of raw recycling, that's one aspect. But when you start to look at where these battery fires are happening, it can be as simple as collection points. You know, you have a bad battery, you bought it from a major big box and you return it. What do they do with it? And we're, we're really smart people. And, and likewise, we could see it with you know, in our homes and how do you get rid of a battery pack safely so it doesn't create more trash fires, right? So 
we're seeing fires and in, in rise and increase in many ways in like trash fires. Fire chiefs are saying, why are trash fires up? Well, a lot of people are disposing of these things. And so it's very, very easy for us to kind of look at these five major buckets from mobility, personal electronics, EVs, storage, recycling, and energy storage. But the United States is very, very quickly becoming the battery capital of the world. You're seeing a major transition where if you asked me a year ago, who's making batteries in the United States, it was like three spots, maybe four. Uh, you know, producing somewhere around 15 million cells a year. By the end of this year, we're going to have over 20 locations. By the end of next year, who knows how many battery facilities we're really going to see. But it's not just the battery plants. It's run-up facilities. It's test facilities. This thing is now taking over, and there's a lot of money behind it. So we're seeing a major change in how our firefighters are responding and what they have to respond to. If I could get myself unmuted, I could talk to you. So, uh, um, so I mean, it's 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 way larger than just electric cars. So, you know, I think that I think that when we think about where batteries are in our in our lives, like you said, you know, power tools, our cell phones, the the scooters that are on the sides of the road, um, and all of these these charging stations throughout the communities. Um, Talk to talk to me a little bit about from a community risk reduction standpoint, because you and I sit on the fire and life safety section together. Um, talk to me a little bit about from a community risk reduction standpoint, how is it that we can um, from a local level, we can look at the risk in our community and then start to get ahead of that and, and start to be more proactive than than uh, than reactive. Yeah. So one of the things with battery fires, regardless of the type right? They're adding to our incident time frame. Um, I go down to Rogers, Arkansas. I watch a car fire. It's probably 500 gallons of water, 20 minutes or less, three people, if they're done, right? That EV incidents, if we don't handle it right, creates secondary incidents for us. So we know the, the car fire itself, two, two and a half hours. Um, we're not extinguishing, we're cooling. And so there's this huge demand that's going to be put on us. And part of it is about stopping secondary events. So Part one in community risk reduction is knowing your data. And so every fire chief, every leader that's listening to this, your end first needs to start special tracking this because it doesn't track this info and we need this data. So just start putting something as simple as, hey, batteries were involved or batteries started the incident. Put it as a special study where your crews can put that info. Then let's start training our staff to be looking for devices in homes. Um, you know, recently I was talking and I said, hey, chiefs, you got to get these battery packs out of the homes when they've been involved in a fire, whether they started or not. We've got to get them out of the structures. We got to get them secured so we don't have secondary events. Chief said he calls me, he says, hey, we did everything right. We got the device out of the home. We did everything. Two weeks later, it caught back on fire. But it was because it got put in the dumpster and then it got compacted or it got rattled around. The dumpster caught on fire, caught the house back on fire. And so from a community risk reduction standpoint, right, there's no doubt we want to stop the initial event. So if your significant other comes to you with a battery pack and says, hey, this thing's hot, it doesn't feel right. Can you answer how to solve that issue without just throwing it away in the trash? And most of us are finding the community solutions are very, very difficult in some of these areas. So what are we supposed to be doing and how do we lead that discussion within our communities? We don't have to have the answer, but what we can say is, hey, I, well, first of all, there are, there's no fire department in the United States that I know of that's overstaffed. So, right, part of our job here is to reduce our times our fire trucks go out. 
So if we know damaged battery packs can create us incidents, whether whatever spectrum it's in, let's get aggressive and work with our community to provide suspect battery collection. Let's get to an area. Um, let's get our fire inspectors trained up because these devices are being stored in buildings. Um, let's get our fire operations crews alert and aware that batteries were in the fire. And then before we do overhaul, you know, if there's no raging fire overhead or raging fire on the wall, before we go opening up the wall, let's get the battery pack out. Let's get the cells out. Let's get them safely outside, finish our work. But, but what do we do next? And so I think that's where there is a huge discussion that needs to take place. And that's us partnering with, whether it's local recycling, whether it's us partnering with our hazmat teams, we're seeing a lot of communities where um, secondary containment cleanup, that type of stuff is being done by the regional response teams. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of work with people in our environmental sciences, like they've got connections in battery recycling. So let's get to them, let's find the right people um, and, and let's have that dialogue. And we're seeing it take like EV response right now. What do we need to do with our law enforcement as it relates to fender benders all the way to severe crashes involving electrified vehicles, right? We've all heard stories where batteries in, in EVs catch on fire one week, two weeks down the road. So what discussion should we have as leadership with our law enforcement? How can we start tagging vehicles based on severity, right? So as our, as our roadways all become EV, manufacturers say, hey, you got to store these things 60 feet away from everything. We don't have that amount of real estate. And so I have to think there's a difference towards an EV and a fender bender that's just not drivable anymore to an electrified vehicle that went 100 plus miles an hour and hit a fixed object and included batteries and thermal runaway. There's a difference to how we should probably store those. And so we've got to start to have those conversations. But here's something very, very simple. If you post on your Facebook page that Rogers Fire Department's going to host an EV um, meetup or an EV car show in two Saturdays from now. You'll be surprised what shows up. And all I want you to do is get your fire crews out, see how to open the doors, how to put it in drive and park. Let them explain their vehicles, where the battery packs, can you find the response guys? And you will start to see what is happening within your community. And, and just, it's simple things. How many times have we had to put a vehicle in park? In some of the technology in these vehicles, it's different, right? The rumor is the new trailblazer. If your phone's in your pocket, you touch the brake, touch the gas, car goes forward. That's crazy, right? There's it, 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 so that's a change. It's like, that's just a change in how we start to go through. But there's a lot of work in this CRR space from how we prepare our operations staff to what their role is in reducing secondary events. Um, what are we supposed to do when somebody shows up at our front door with a suspect battery? Um, and what, what are all the steps? And, and one of the ones that I'd, I wasn't even thinking about, and it, it came from some peers. They said, hey, Mike, I want to show you some pictures. And they show us a parking deck. And there are all of these electronic vehicles where people have hot-wired power off of power poles so they can charge their vehicle. So I never would think that a fire chief needs to advocate for good public accessible vehicle charging as we make this transition because people are getting creative to get power. And so if they're parked in, in a parking deck at work, it's not really monitored. And then you might say, well, why does the fire service care? Well, last time I checked, somebody hot wiring wire off of an electric pole could really lead to some bad things. And so 
really, I think there's a lot of work for us here just in preparing our firefighters. There's a lot of work for us engaging um, dialogue with our community. I talked to about 300 township officials this week, and most of them have a very similar, there's no doubt politics get involved in this discussion. Some people don't believe, but but really for us as a fire service, we always have to be non-political, right? And we have to look, 10% of the vehicles sold were batteries, but take the vehicles out, go to, go to your big box retail and tell me if you can buy gas powered anything. They're gone, right? The, the mowers are electric. And so we still go on mower fires. We still have them get involved when we have a garage fire. So what do we do and how do we train our staff? And I think that's where a lot of our staff are looking for stuff because we can have the dialogue about how long a EV fire takes. It's, it's now a two hour incident on a roadway and that's uncomfortable and it sucks, but sometimes community risk reduction is stopping the next event. So sometimes letting it burn is the best answer, but we need to help shape that mindset because most of us in the fire service don't have this expertise rattling around. We didn't learn it from the people before us. And so more and more conversation has to happen. More and more dialogue has to happen uh, within our communities and in all the things going on. You know, it's funny. Uh, Mike and I had a conversation last week and for a very brief portion of that conversation, um, I had another fire chief with an earshot of me from out of state and he picked up that we were talking about batteries and the consequences of fires, tactics, training, and he, he made a comment that uh, one of his deputy chiefs had, had recently come to him saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm bringing in some training or I'm going to you know, push it out on a, you know, a training platform. And he, he confessed to me, he kind of made fun of him a little bit, you know, because like, I have not encountered battery fires yet. And it's like anything else. You don't care until it's time to care. And so I'm glad that we have the safety stand down come June 18th to the 24th with uh, the theme, right, is lithium ion batteries, are you ready? And so I think that there's probably a couple of groupings of fire chiefs. There's ones that, um, you know, have experienced battery fires with enough frequency that they get it. And they're working to make sure their people are trained, protected, tactics, procedures are all in place. There are those that uh, recognize a deficiency. And then there are those that are still clueless. And I hope that the safety stand down will help with that. What's the plan for that week, Mike? How are we going to change the message for fire service leaders? Yeah, so day one, uh, part of this is just recognizing the hazard. So uh, here recently in Colorado, fire department gets dispatched to smoke in a house. Uh, air pack through the front door. It's kind of lazy smoke, right? Uh, they're exploring the house. They can't find the source. They go down in the basement, heavy smoke. Um, and they end up finding a, a secondary garage. And in that secondary garage was a plug-in hybrid in a form of thermal runaway. And during the extinguishment or attempting to cool the battery pack, uh, the garage door blew off. And this is about the third event within North America where we've had this buildup. And so the start is recognize the hazards, right? It, we've seen the UL test where a scooter goes into thermal runaway and that's trying to educate our public. But part of what is the fire service needs to look at, we've been saying fires fast, but never have we said fires 28 seconds fast. So the time of visible products of smoke or gas to flash over an explosion or deflagration in the room, 28 seconds. That's incredible. And so 
it's changing the paradigm, right? It's easy for us to say, hey, firefighters, wear your turnout gear, wear your face piece in SCBA because this presents as lazy smoke in the first part. So how do we start to get firefighters to say, hey, look, this isn't just smoke anymore. This is high amounts of carbon dioxide, high amounts of carbon dioxide to a point that it could be getting flammable. And so what else is in that product that isn't smoke? And so how do we recognize the hazard? The next part we're going to get into day two, firefighter operations. Um, So how do you work on EV fires? When do you make decisions for um, cool versus extinguishment? And what is the technique? Because, you know, most of us want to still put out our car fires in 30 minutes or less. And there's a high level of frustration here that you can't. I mean, it's just chemistry. When you start to learn about how batteries burn, it's chemistry. We can't stop that chain reaction. Uh, Day three, safety. And, you know, that's going to be well-rounded safety because now we're going to start rounding out crews for two hours on a freeway response. That's a long time and, and it's a big crew demand. But more importantly, whether some of these events we're seeing from, you know, some of the first energy storage system failures where firefighters are thrown through chain link fences or off the roof of buildings, right? How do we keep our staff staff safe? Um, And then post-incident is becoming now more and more of a thing, right? We put out our fire, we cross our fingers and hope we never go back on a rekindle. And you never want to go on a rekindled car fire right? So what are our post-incident techniques and all of these battery things that could affect us? And then, hey, we got to start educating the public. And here's the interesting part about educating the public, right? How do I start giving fire chiefs and fire leaders dialogue in this type of stuff? Because the community is starting to expect us to be experts. So it's easy for us to say the right battery for the right device, the right charger for the right device. But how many of us as fire chiefs don't follow our own, right? we you ever tried to buy that brand of portable radio that's very expensive? And then you don't want to spend from the manufacturer's batteries, so we buy off-market batteries. Well, part of this that we're seeing, we're seeing events in the firehouse. We're seeing events in your fire trucks, right? Look at our charging techniques on your fire engines. I bet you, you have a cabinet filled with 15, 20 batteries from your positive pressure fan to your Sawzall to your JAWS equipment. And so we've got to start to train our public as well as our firefighters on what best practice is. I'll give you something very simple. You drop a battery pack. So you drop a set of jaws. It's raining. The sun was in your eyes. I don't care. You dropped your jaws and it landed on the battery pack. What do we do? And what do we tell our crews to do? Because I can tell you what we don't want them to do. Just say, yeah, it looks right. And they put it back on the rig because we're seeing a lot of incidents happen when we have charging and we've compromised the battery pack. So I think day five, I hope people don't blow it off and say, well, it's public education. That's not me. That's the prevention people. This is all of us because we've really got to seek to understand where these events are happening, what we can be doing, how we can be advocating. um, And then more importantly, what's our own medicine taste like and what do we need to be doing in our buildings? So from a fire chief standpoint, so we've, we've, we've had the safety stand down. We've started to see, maybe start to see some evidence of some uh, lithium ion battery fires in our community. We're, we're starting to notice after we've listened to this podcast, we've started to notice things that we've never noticed before. And we started to think a little bit differently. Um, as members of the IAFC, what is out there for, uh, for us to, to, what resources are available? How do we how do we get more information? Where do we go? Um, and what's on the horizon from the IFC? 
Yeah, so if somebody searches IFC batteries, we're going to find a top hit. The IFC's done a really uh, solid job, both with maybe it's out of the section, the committee, safety and health. Um, we're really trying to just vet materials, get it out um, to our fire service. And so we have all of our job aids and our fact sheets that have been out. So we've got an EV response. we got energy storage response. We've shared a lot of the work that FDNY and Toronto have done in the mobility space. Um, we've got links to FSRI training um, in what I would say in, in by FRI 20, what year are we in? 2023. FRI this year, we've got a couple battery programs and I'm really excited. Um, we'll be launching our toolkit, which is we're trying to keep it under 100 pages, but we're trying our best to say, hey, look, here's some tools for the local fire service from policies to EV or battery responses to considerations and community risk reduction, chief dialogue, as I call it, just kind of those call outs that, hey, these are some things that you should be considering in training. And, you know, we, we know we have to train our existing firefighters. How do we start training our recruit firefighters? Um, you know, and, and we could go on and on in this dialogue space. And for our people who are like, I don't know, there is no doubt we're having a hard time buying ambulance chassis. Our manufacturers are going to dictate to us what our solution is there. So I think big red fire trucks are a ways down the road as it comes to battery powered. But I'm going to tell you that it's two years right now to buy an ambulance, right? And sooner or later, that chassis is going to get electrified. And so, you know, we could even start to get into dialogue about how do we start electrifying our fleet and what are some of the considerations? You think about how many battalion chief cars probably need to get electrified. Um, and they, it's going to have to happen in the next five years. It's not 2035. As a guy who's in Metro Detroit, who's seeing a state spin up about six battery plants, there's no way we're, we're spinning up six battery plants to, to meet something in 2035. So this thing's coming like a freight train, and the IFC is really trying to lead, collaborate, bring the right people to discussion. And we're not trying to do this in a vacuum, right? We're partnering with industry pros. Uh, we're partnering with some of the best people. And then how do we put it in fire service speak and, and get it out? There's a bunch of webinars we've done. So if you're like, all right, I'm in for EVs, go to I, click IFC webinar and, and you're going to find a great webinar on this. And so um, no doubt that we've got to keep the dialogue. The fire service um, is behind and we are playing catch up on this. And one soapbox issue is we need the federal government to start carving out some money for the fire service. And this cannot be through our current grant structure. Um, if Mike O'Brien had an ask, it's about $85 million a year for the next three to five years. Um, we need to start diving into real serious issues. Um, and that's how do we clean our turnout gear after a battery fire? This, I'm, I'm telling you, one extraction cycle isn't right. I'm gonna, and I, but I don't have the science on that, right? Uh, UL FSRI is going to start launching some of the EV firefighting techniques. They're going to actually study this. And we need more of that because as fire chiefs, we're getting approached by vendors. Hey, I got this foam. I got this blanket. I got this piercing thing. Well, how do we know we're doing the right thing for our staff? And, and, you know, a lot of it is even in the codes and standards. We don't know what the sprinkler system supposed to do to control a building fire that involves EVs. We don't know. And so how do we start to test and study this stuff? And ultimately, with the firefighter safety, I, I just keep going back. We have got to fund a study, and it's got to come from the fire service. 
on how to properly clean our turnout gear. And we got to partner with the right people, but we got to drive that dialogue. And so, you know, every time I talked, I've talked to a lot of fire chiefs, a lot of firefighters that have responded to incidents. And, you know, in many cases, there was success because they leaned into this adversity. They leaned into this difficult topic, seeking to understand and seeing what they could absorb. And, and the IFC's webpage is really trying its best to point a lot of support from the president, a lot of support from the board, just saying, hey, look, this is this emerging topic. There's a lot of unanswered questions, but here's the best info we know. Yeah, so I, I did a quick Google search in, in um, IFC batteries. And like you said, it, it, you know, there's a there's a fair amount of information available for our members. So absolutely, uh, absolutely go to the IFC page. Um, and you talked a little bit about FRI, but I, you know, I think we, the two of us would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, what's going to happen right around the corner. So uh, the Community Risk Reduction Leadership Conference, the 2023 conference is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, um, May 9th through the 11th. So right around the corner. And if you're listening to this podcast after May 9th, uh, 2023, um, the Community Risk Reduction Leadership Conference will be in 2024 as well. So, uh, you know, look that up. Um, real quick, so I see that uh, some guy named Larry Coco and, uh, um, and Michael O'Brien are speaking around lithium-ion batteries. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what's that all about, and is that a great place to, to go to get some information, you know, if, if, if they wanted to come to Tennessee? Yeah, you know, um, so one of the things that President Steubing did very well for the IFC was bring the Canadian perspective unlike we've ever seen. Uh, CRR went up to Toronto. Uh, or the suburbs of Toronto last year. And we made this relationship with this big, goofy guy, Larry Coco. And when you start to dive into Canada, in, in a lot of the Ontario province, their CRR staffing makes ours look like a joke, and which is great, right? And they have a lot of people, and in, in their perspective is drastically different. Well, Larry says, hey, this thing's really cool. I got to get involved. So I love Larry's story from a sense that he was like a lot of people. He's like, we're not having battery fires. I don't know what's going on in New York. And Toronto is a is a solid metro fire department. So he they started saying, OK, let's start tracking the data. And they discovered they had a battery issue. And he has gone full in. He's got staff that is. Um, you know, working on preparing the operations, working on the community risk reduction. What's the advocacy? Um, they've shared all their messaging to IFC members. So we've taken their messaging. You can add your logo and look really, really smart in your community. And so um, Larry and I are going to talk through this. We're going to talk through this um, kind of how a fire department transitions and gets prepared for this topic. And, and Larry's story is just such a cool story. Um, and they're doing some really great things up in Toronto. So I'm, I'm privileged to be able to speak with him. But we're going to really try to round this out and say, hey, look, here's how you start. Here's what happens when this starts. And then, you know, this is kind of where you go. So they're they're working through overpacking issues. They're working through regulatory issues. And, and if you want to know us, they had a battery fire that really highlighted this. It was a commercial fire. Um, an occupancy they didn't really have great great inspections on who had a fire and they were repairing scooter devices caught on fire. They had a fire truck on standby for nearly three weeks. I want you to think about that. Us taking a fire company because these things kept catching on fire every day, all the time. And what do you do? And so when we start thinking about having to tie up assets, heck, most of us, when you got to tie up a fire engine for more than 24 hours, 
that's rough. And most of us just don't have that ability. And so there's, he, there, there's a great study. We hope people get over to Murfreesboro. We hope people come in and, and see this. And I think it's, it's going to be a good mix of how the whole team gets here. And I, I think Tom and I had a brief conversation. This is an opportunity for fire departments to come together collectively and combat something all together. Everybody has a role in this. Our fire marshal does, our fire chief does, our training folks, our front right company officers. Everybody has a role in this in developing our ability to be a professional organization and respond. And it, like I said, if worst case, you need a company training to do, go down to your Ford dealer, go down to your GM dealer, go down to your Tesla dealer and say, hey, can we just look at this car? Right. And, and start that dialogue and conversation because batteries are everywhere, man. Well, one thing's for sure. You're uh, you're the bleeding edge of this. And there's not a lot of there's a lot of answers. I don't know how many of them are right or wrong, but we've got we've got some obligations. If uh, for those listeners that are in the various ranks, I think that Chief O'Brien, he did a great job in that everybody's got. Uh, a, a little bit of stake in what we've got going on, whether you're a leader, whether you're an inspector, whether you're a firefighter, company officer, you name it. And it's just not acceptable from, from all the conversations I'm having, listening to you passionately talk about it. It's not acceptable to sit back and wait for it to, you know, arrive at your doorstep. You're going to have to do some research, know about the risk in your community. Mike, thanks for being with us today. You've done a great job characterizing what's going on around lithium ion batteries and, and just all the things we don't know. Yeah. And tune up, man right now. Hey, if you're a chief and you want one action item, mark down that June 18th through the 24th on a safety stand down. Worst case, you got some resources, everything's there and you can make that as a very awesome week for your fire department. Well, we've been talking today about lithium ion batteries and the upcoming uh, safety stand, stand down. That's June 18th to the 24th. So just right at, uh, a month away. What a great week that we can you know, start to uh, put a little knowledge into the DNA of our fire department. So that's, that's a great way to start uh, steering in the right direction. Uh, the IEFC Honest web, website has a variety of, of links and resources that you can get access to. And, and we, we, we want to remind listeners about the opportunity to come to FRI in Kansas City this August for 150th uh, go out there, learn about some of these topics, but this is something we're going to have to solve together. So thanks again, Mike, for being with us, Mike, uh, and the Fire and Life Safety Section and the IAFC Battery Committee doing a lot of good work, uh, not just for members of our association, but for the fire service in general. Thanks for being with us today. If you want to see what Mike's up to, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a, a man of many talents. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at Inspector911. For our listeners, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us today. If you like it, leave a rating, and we'd love for you to share this important information with other fire chiefs, firefighters, up-and-comers in the business. We appreciate you joining us today. We hope you learned something new. Be safe, and we'll talk again soon.